Is that Glock? Well, I'm tripping major nutsack right now. Oh, send him! Welcome to the world of winning. Hello and welcome back to an edition of the Switchback Formula One podcast. My name is Graham and joining me as always. Uh, I think he might be adding in his uh, intent to run as FIA president pretty soon here. We might need a new one. It's, uh, it's Luke Holmes. Oh, God. Couldn't think of anything worse, Graham. Aye. <laughs> Hi, yes. Hi is the is the word of the week, I think, Graham. Is it? Yeah, for certain uh, presidential people, anyway. <laughs> yes, that will be a reasonable excuse for what's been done. But yes, we'll, we'll carry on with that later. Sure. Uh, yes. Any any crack? What's going on? How are you handling the uh, F one off season? It's getting. Cl- this is probably the last week. I would say it's probably going to be stuck in the mud, so to speak. Yeah, this is the the, the very last week of no. I want to say actual like physical content we've had um weeks of news whereas now we're going to start rolling into the the barrages of car reveals and physical f1 cars it's it's i'm i'm getting excited but i i my my um racing itch is needing to be scratched well and, uh, i don't count that as racing <laughs> before you even say that i don't count who was going around some <laughs> some blooming Random racetrack in Saudi Arabia as a as a as a as a race. <laughs> no, no. Oh, oh I've I've plenty of things to say about Formula E later. So yeah, stay is tuned for that. Does? Yeah. <laughs> uh, this week, I'd say an F one has been largely dominated by the ongoing tiff, shall we say, uh, row. In other words, for between the FIA and the FIA president Mohammed Ben Suleim and F one. Uh, oh, yes. It's been no secret tension, and we've talked about it. Tensions have been boiling recently between the two parties here. But this is mostly revolving around uh, what to do for an 11th team, so to speak. Obviously, there's a very yeah. clear very clear push from the FIA side um, and, uh, and Ben Suleim about uh, obviously getting Andretti in. Very clearly, that, that the FIA really supports that bid. Whereas F1 and Cali, for rightly or wrongly, how you feel on us, we've. we've, we've gone over it really uh aren't as convinced and they're a little bit more they're not too happy about the public way that both the fa and andretti have kind of gone about it uh although i did find it funny this week that um eventually i was speaking that apparently the only team to express interest to in the fa to the fa join the grid it has been andretti so uh <laughs> don't, know, don't know what dominic cowley has to uh say about that there's an article on that on there motorsport.com by luke smith but anyways the, the what that actually wasn't the tip that was happening this week the act of the big row was more so again uh, started from ben ceo on twitter uh and he talked about how to say the fia should be quote cautious about the alleged inflated price tags of 20 billion put on formula one and this is an uh, end quote and this is following some of the uh saudi Arabian public uh investment fund interests that reportedly made an approach to the to liberty media which was turned down uh Reports claimed that F1 was valued at twenty million dollars. So that's or to say twenty billion dollars, which is sixteen. Twenty million, I'll yeah. buy it. <laughs> Take out a loan, uh, which is sixteen point one six billion sterling. Uh, however, uh, hey, Raheem, Raheem, sterling. Oh, are you? <laughs> uh, anyway, so I'm reading this from racefans.net, and uh, Keith Collins I wrote this story, but obviously it's been everywhere. Uh, so it said, letter, a letter rep- uh, represent- from representatives of the American media company, so this is Liberty, obtained by the BBC and Sky, reminded the FIA that F1 has signed a 100-year deal to the series commercial rights and governing body, which was... <laughs> I didn't realise this. No, that's a long-ass deal. 100-year deal. <laughs> Uh, quote, uh, the governing body, quote, has given unequivocal undertakings that it will not do anything to prejudice the ownership, management and or exploitation, exploitation of those rights, end quote. Uh, the letter said that Ben Suleyem's comments, quote, interfere with, with those rights in an unacceptable manner, end quote, and added the implication that any potential purchaser of F1 business if required to consult with the FIA is wrong. So... 
Mm. And then it goes on. mm, It goes on to say any individual organization commenting on the value of a listed entity or its subsidiaries, especially claiming or implying possession of inside knowledge while doing so, risks causing substantial damage to the shareholders and investors of that entity, not to mention potential exposure to serious regulatory consequences. To the degree about uh, that these comments damage the value of Liberty Media Corporation, the FIA may be liable as a result. Mm, okay. And this actually comes on a week where I mean, another uh, article from Race Fans on Net and Ida Wood, where Liberty Media was named most viable sports empire. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Which apparently estimates the, the quote the world's 25 most viable sports empires uh, that are worth a total of 173 billion. Uh, and Liberty Media, obviously, with that 20 uh, to do with apparently Forbes estimates F1 is actually worth 17.1 billion dollars. Uh, which is less yeah. than what Suleim said. Which, yeah. So, mm. what do you think? Yeah. Uh, do the do F one do F one and their chiefs have a right to be pissed at Suleim or? Yeah, of course they do. What that's that's do like someone. Uh, let's put a spin on this. Let's say that's like my parents interfering with me buying a house or trying to sell my house and saying, actually, you should sell it for this much, and what have you. Whereas I'm saying, no, I'll, I'll do what I want to do. Actually stay out type of thing it's it's wrong for him to sort of say no you, you can't do this type of thing it, it, it's so strange it's it's two complete separate entities at the end of the day yeah if the FIA and F1 were unified and it was under the same like well say parent company or whatever then fair enough he could pro- probably sort of say something but the fact that Liberty Media has nothing to do with the FIA really at all that they're just an, an, a company on their own right FIA is the governing body yeah, it's um, for me. I, I don't know why he'd even say something like that. It's, it's up to Liberty Media what they do at the end of the day. If they want to sell, then they want to sell. They mm-hmm. they'll definitely want it. I probably want to say like a really good time. Six, yes, what six billion? Yeah, or so. And it's only grown ever since then. Massively. And it's and it's it's gonna uh, gonna go keep going on that trend, isn't it? Because mm. yeah, Netflix and what I view is bought. And I was, well, I was saying that the pandemic and Netflix has brought billions of eyes to the sport that we didn't have. Well, millions of eyes, should I say, not billions. <laughs> millions of eyes to the sport that we didn't have before. So, obviously, the engagement's going up, which means more money and more countries wanted to get involved, more teams like we've, like we've been on about wanting to get involved. Right. It's, more it places want to have tracks, more teams want to join from other places. Exactly. Yeah, I yeah. say it. so it's... it's just all. And if F1, if the FIA is sort of getting involved and saying no and all this it just yeah you can see why Liberty Media would be getting very pissy about it it's sort of tarnishing what they're building and yeah right it's it's, it's, it's not it's completely wrong even if they wanted to sell so for example and now this is you know if this is you know this is out there like it's like oh we could lower our bid by three billion because <laughs> just yeah. like if they did want to sell then... says, actually yeah Forbes. I read Forbes magazine and they read it. They valued it at seventeen billion. Actually, uh, I've been. I, I think I've been more so on the defensive side of Ben Suliem. I, I do agree. I agree with him on the side here of Andretti and eleven, and 11 team yeah. for F one. Of course, I don't. Same. I don't understand what he was trying to do here. Yeah, no. Say completely on board with the eleventh team and what have you. But this, I don't think he's got a leg to stand on. To be honest, don't know why he said it. Why he's got involved or anything like that. It's, um, it's not yeah. good. Like there's, I can't remember a rift bet- already between F1 and the new FIA and the FIA president going back to it's got to be Max Mosley and yeah, even and even then Mosley had a Mosley's leash was tight. Like people may not have liked him, but there was certain like he had he a lot of power. Whereas I feel like now these days power is so much more in F1's uh, kind of barn than it was the FIA's back in the you know mid to late 2000s and then going back even further than that. Yes, definitely. And if anybody hasn't seen what Max Mosley did for the sport, then I'd fully recommend the Max Mosley documentary. I actually sure haven't seen you. that. It's, it's, it's not purely F1, but it sort of shows you what he did. <laughs> it's not purely F1. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's some dodgy stuff in there with some um, certain ladies and what yeah. have you, but... Um, the actual like safety side of things, so it goes into detail about what he's done with mm. that and what have you. So, yeah, you can sort of understand with a, a long. He was in for a long time, whereas Ben Suleiman's been in for what less than a year. Yeah, a year, <laughs> a year, year now. growing. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, look, oh, great. to be fair, like he had to do a lot of damage uh, control after. Oh yeah. After twenty twenty one and uh, Mercedes and Abu Dhabi and all that and the Michael Massey stuff. Also, we'll, bringing this up again. <laughs> no, you just you know. Fuck's sake. It's either Pirelli or that. Hey, 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 hey! The other week I did nothing to Pirelli. It was you. It was all no, you. No, I never, never did anything like that. I would never tarnish the name of that company. Also, uh, one of my favourite all-time jokes was, I remember Top Gear back in, I think it was 2008 or something, uh, do you know when they had their end of, you know, end of, end of, end of, uh, end of season uh, award, end of year awards, uh, I always distinctly remember the uh, the injury to a motorsport-related uh, well, a, a motor body part, and the winner was Max Mosley's bottom, which was... <laughs> oh my gosh. If you, again, if you, if you want to read into some, uh, some juicy Max Mosley... Uh, controversial content it's out there and you, yeah, and you will, under, and you will understand funny. why that's so fucking funny yeah there is a lot of max mosley uh, oh boy shall we say yeah <laughs> uh of course uh yes uh this is where he's coming on as a guest next week and you've not told me i was going to say rest in peace because he is of course deceased these days yes <laughs> anyway. I forgot about that. But yeah. Yeah, 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 next week, yeah, that'll be a, I think I'll drive the popularity of the flip and show up a bit, yeah. If we can, if we can, if we can pull out those strings. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's not good. This 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 war of words between Liberty and uh, or F1 and FIA is not good. Uh, and I don't. I don't envision it getting any better anytime soon at this rate, unless someone says something to us, Cillian apologizes or something, but not a great week for Cillian, because he's been slandered as well by, I think someone in the House of Lords, actually, because I remember the whole, remember the whole, um, we didn't really want to talk about it, but the, do you remember the whole political FIA thing that, you know, more, if, more, it's not, not to limit political statements, but, you know, just, maybe just, maybe have some a bit. green flagged yeah. a bit so to speak uh yeah. which total wolves actually played down to be fair that i won't like you know it's not gonna have it's not that big of a deal um this people still be able to express themselves and but suliem's gonna come under a lot of heat for that now for some reason even though that was decided like a month or two ago uh or weeks ago uh but see so he's been he's been talking about the house of lords uh other rights groups have come at him this week as well yeah uh, some comments he made in 2000 right there was so, yeah there was some so there was some sort of was it sexist comments or something in 2001 yeah. 2001 uh if we if, if we were to pull out you know something we all said when we were 15 16 uh and say for example we're 50 something years old i mean i'd like to think you know different people <laughs> Uh, Times change, people move on, whatever. You know? It's, uh, it's, a, it's a little bit silly, but yeah, probably shouldn't have said it in the first place, to be fair. Bro, yeah, but, yeah, you know. fine, that's fine, but... If, if, yeah, uh, it's just digging up dirt that didn't need to be bought. Right. Really. Um, and Suleim has been a very clear advocate for w women in racing since then, both before oh, yeah. and during his tenure as FIA president, so... Right. Uh, anyway, so there's that. He also had an interesting word, a comment to make. Uh, he's, he's at one of the rallies. Uh, I think it was the Monte Carlo rally the yeah. other week. And is on racefans.net. And I didn't like how some of these comments read. Because uh, obviously, Suleyan's actual motorsport background is rallying. Like that's mm -hmm. he is, and he's a former champion. I don't think of the World Rally Championship, but he is definitely a former champion. Uh, in some degree, I know we went over his uh, credentials another time, but anyways, he, he this is what he said at he, he told uh, Dirtfish, which is uh, some sort of rally publication. Yeah. Uh, so he said at the Monte Carlo rally the other other Saturday, uh, he said, "I'll be very honest with you. I should give more time to rallying. I have been dragged, and I'm being very straight and honest. I've been sucked into Formula One. I definitely relied on a very reliable team, which is my which is my team." Uh, to come with me with suggestion but I believe this is the beginning I'm here so I'm going to manage my time between F1 rallying and do it I have to give more time to rallying because we can fix it so the bit I didn't like he said he's been sucked into Formula 1 now when you take the president of the FIA obviously you're you're not just governing for F1 obviously it's a massive umbrella of motorsport categories but oh, yes. do you think sucked into like obviously the biggest job you're probably going to have is you know Obviously, you're going to be intertwined with some of the matters revolving F1. That's obviously the highest of the, that's the pinnacle of the most worth uh, categories that fall under that umbrella, at the top of that umbrella. And he says he's sucked into it. Like, is it, like he didn't, like, I don't know, did they, does that, he am I reading? Sign up for this yeah, thing, yeah, am I reading too much into that? Or is that, did that thought come across as well as maybe? Yeah, it's, it's a little weird to say, I won't lie. 
saying you've been sucked into something that's probably one of the biggest sort of well no in fact it is the biggest what well, category yeah in, under the FIA sort of brand or shall we say umbrella shall we say so well that's strange very strange I know he's probably more probably more swings towards rallying because that, that's what he did professionally but still weird to say yeah especially when you're the president yeah it's <laughs> you know strange sort of um, be, be a bit more open-minded at least surely <laughs> yeah so i thought that was that was straight at least so so yeah not not the greatest week for uh for ben good old ben suliam here so no anyway no. hopefully hopefully next week is a little a little easier but probably not There'll probably be some more controversy around Andretti or something. <laughs> is it when he like he resigns or something? <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Yeah, that'd be that'd be fun. Anyways, uh, moving on from that, then there's some other significant news during the week. Uh, Cyber appoint not a team principal, but a team principal, but a team <laughs> principal. Yeah, for all intents and purposes. So they announced. Obviously, they team principal since Fred Vassour left for Ferrari. Uh, Andrea Seidel was appointed Sarah CEO, which obviously with the position was his to fill. And he appointed Aluni Bravi, Aluni Bravi, yes. Aluni Bravi as team representative, who represents both. He, he and he represents Sauber and Alfa Romeo during race weekends, such as uh, press conferences and such. So, essentially, team he's a team principal. Uh, yes, just not that title. Just doesn't have the title, which is a strange one. But, anyways, uh, general comments. Uh, he's. I know he's. He's. He's worked with driver representation and such. I know he's worked with Kubica and some Formula E stuff as well. Uh, the comments are really like the the the, the press release comments are just what you'd expect. Uh, We're so, really looking forward to working with yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, Bravi at this to say, I'm fully conscious of the work we have ahead of us and the challenges that face us. I approach this task with humility, knowing that I'm part of a strong team. We'll get the job done and believe we have everything we need for a successful future. Uh, hmm. Yeah, so obviously they're just acknowledging that there's some there's some challenges going forward. Obviously, there's a there's a shift to come, but yeah, there was a piece that went over some of this in uh, in on the race from Scott Mitchell Man about why uh, Saber won't have a team principal, so to speak. Well, uh, so it kind of goes into this, some of it here. So Bravi is going to represent uh, the team in all official functions at race weekends and away from the track, and he will work together with the technical and operational departments to continue the team's growth and success. So. He's not just a. There is some tech. I guess there is some uh, technical input or something. But he's going to be very much the face man, so to speak, for for uh, for uh, Alfa Romeo here. And I mean, I'm just looking at a picture of him. Like he's got that. How would you? How would you describe? Like he's got. Like he's wearing like a turtleneck, a blazer. He's got silver hair, black round glasses. Very kind of. I don't want to say hipsterish, but like entrepreneur kind of. You know. Uh, would look Out of good, place. Would look good in the suit kind of thing. Yeah, he, he looks like a businessman that lives in New York type thing for me. <laughs> just, you know what I mean? He's one of them that I'm like, okay. But he's been with the team for years, I believe, hasn't he? Yeah. Uh, yeah, apparently he has. So, uh, experienced motorsport. So, I'm from the, the race in Scott Mitchell, ma'am. Uh, Bravi is an experienced motorsport figure whose management company includes formerly world champion Stoffel van Dorn, F1 race winner uh, Robert Kubica. And he was named Cyber Managing Director last March but he's been part of the company for much longer, sitting on the board since 2017. Yeah, well, there you go then. That uh, sort of explains it, board member. Hmm. Yes, there it is. So he said, uh, says, that has made him a key figure of the team's era owned by Finn Rousing, which covers its recovery from back-of-the-grid outfit as a, ma- as a major risk of financial collapse to respectable midfielder runner. did not realise how rich he actually is, by the way. Finn Rousing? Yes, he's very rich. Yeah. <laughs> very, very rich. But yet, yeah, the team's somewhere team can't manage to score a point after Canada but you know <laughs> uh, the implication is that Seidel will now be able to delegate as much of the day-to-day running of the F1 team as he feels fit to focus on the bigger responsibilities as Cyber CEO hmm. so yeah so there's so no team principal then but just a team representative which is interesting but, but team principal yeah he, he will be called team principal on Sky Sports I guarantee it <laughs> oh speaking of actually um, I'm glad yes, you mentioned sad, that. sad times sad times Graham Yes, very sad times. Why don't you break the news gently to... Uh... I, I'm absolutely devastated, if I'm honest. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the Sky recently announced this in the last week or so that Johnny Herbert and uh, Paul DeResto will be no longer part of the broadcast team and will not be replaced. I like Paul DeResto as well. That's yeah, just annoying. Yeah, but... like, Paul DeResto, like, I saw a lot of mixed p- feelings on this on Twitter and that kind of thing. Biased. 
who like Paul Dress is actually one of the few whose objective opinion I actually value on Sky Sports. <laughs> yeah. As someone who's not a absolute diehard Mercedes or Lewis Hamilton fan. Someone who's worked with other F one teams previously, uh and, and in the last in the last twenty years, you know, you know, <laughs> Johnny Herbert slash Damon Hill, etc., uh, has recent has recent like was still I think he's still part. I'm not sure if he's still part of McLaren these days. Is uh, Deresta, but until recently was still the team's uh, you know did, did some uh, responsibility like similar testing for for uh, for McLaren as well. Of course, famously earlier this year, like he was their only uh, person who could stand in for uh, Ricardo or uh, Norris, and that's when remember the Piastri thing came. Uh, right. That Alpine, if you know, if it was if Ricardo couldn't make the first race at Bahrain, then they were willing to you know give them Piastri for a race. Uh, yeah, and then that's where all that was. Fun, fun, fun times there, yeah. That was fun to look back on. But like he's you no, know, he's been there. He's been around more recently, and I think he's his opinion. I think is, I think valuable. I think is viable, more valuable than I'd say eighty percent, if not more, of the Sky Sports team. Like the only person people I want to hear really more from are either what Brundle. Brundle, uh, Button, Rosberg. Rosberg, yeah. That's really it. And, I don't care about anybody else. And uh, Button and Rosberg aren't there every weekend, whereas Dress is on rotation, so to speak. So, yeah. I don't know. He's one oh, of Karun. I like Karun. Oh, yeah. Karun, yeah. Karun's, Karun's fine. Yeah, absolutely. I'd have him above. But other than that, like I, I, I think this is, I think this is an actual loss for Sky Sports to not have Dress to back because, like, we, you think that we get to keep Damon Hill. Yeah. Instead. Old man, old granddad Graham. Yeah. But Graham, Damon. Damon. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm thinking about his dad there for some reason. Unless it unless it's purely to do with um the rest of doing his racing. Because obviously him and Anthony Davidson both did endurance racing side by side with Sky Sports two years. So I don't know if it's like he's purely focusing on his racing again or he's just actually just been let go. Mm. Uh, no, you'll never know, I guess. I guess not. But anyways, Johnny Herbert was more... Uh, there was... Uh, I can't remember the lady who was interviewing him. Uh, caught him at some event. But anyways, uh, obviously Herbert not coming back. Thank you God for that. He, he was one of the absolute worst. But also, like, came across as disingenuous so often. Um, yeah. Famously, this, this famously led, of course. He couldn't... This, of course, was uh, made famous, uh, I think, by... He had some shit to say about Fernando Alonso, I think, during 2016. 16 or 15 uh, I think it was 16 and Alonso came up to him on air and repeated some of uh, Herbert's comments that he said about Alonso to his face and Herbert would try to walk it back like just showing his kind of I guess two-facedness yeah. about it and Alonso famously said like yeah, you know you, you are not world champion essentially um I would look it up. It, it is fantastic because uh, I I I'm only trying to remember off the top of my head, but it is it just shows it just shows you like how like he's so disingenuous. Like I, I I and he comes across like a prick. Like I really I'm not a fan of his uh, punditry, so to speak. Either it's I don't know. It's and Max Verstappen has got to be as the memory of of sort of being told that he's a double world champion by Johnny Herbert and then being very confused about it and then. Finding out he is world champion, then finding out that he isn't world champion, and then finding out he actually <laughs> is champion again. Uh, to be um, fair, yeah, I actually won't blame Herbert for that one. No, I, I don't blame him for that, but that's like Johnny Herbert's legacy right there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> going, so, yeah. Anyways, I'm glad. Like, I did, I did, I didn't think he added a lot. Anyways, uh, to be honest. Yeah, a lot, a lot of them don't. To be honest, there's there's only certain key ones, but I guess they have to sort of. Um, yeah, like like if you're talking about who's adding something, it's, it's what Karun, it's Ted. Uh, do, 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 do. Oh dear, because I know Deresta did some uh, did some uh, video stuff as well. Which uh, yeah, Anthony Davidson doing more of that. Woo, um, yeah. Can't wait. So I'm glad of one sense. I'm sad on another because actually Deresta I thought was one of the better ones there. But... Yeah, the, the Deresta would be a big loss. I think. Yeah. Anyway, uh, look, I guess it's something. We're, we're starting. You know, this, this, they've had largely the main cast for the last. T- 11 years 12 years now so you know time to start time to start going forward and again I will say to the cows come home you just pay the big bucks get Alex Jakes and Alex Brundle in the comms box it's it's time for a transition from Croft and Martin Brundle I think 
There's going to be a point anyway where Brundle takes a step back anyway. He kind of already does in some way. Like, he does, like, it's races he doesn't do a lot. Like, he doesn't do Hungary these days, it seems like. He doesn't do Baku. Uh, He's never done Baku. Yeah. Never never used to do Russia either. Um, At least it it started off like a couple, and now it's like four or five or six. Yeah. seems to miss he had some health scare uh, health stuff yeah. a few years ago remember it's Silverstone he, like the F- f1 wanted to do like a thing for his grid walk and he wasn't able to be there because he wasn't well mm. um i can't remember that 17 or 19 but i want to say 19 it was mm. very recent well i say very recent that's still four years ago <laughs> so that's so what like you know i think it's and i i, I can't stand this in the crofty i really can't it's and he, he has his moments he has his moments where he's where i'm like yeah he's actually done all right there but then the, the the stupid moments that way they yeah away the bad away the good moments yeah so yeah Whereas with Alex J she actually got consistency all the way through yeah I agree and Alex Jakes is really really good <laughs> yeah he is he is hey some other uh, news this week uh, actually some other Alfa Romeo news uh, they are well they're losing a sponsor uh, because it's moving over to Alpha Tari their title sponsor of Orlen is now going to be the title sponsor of Alpha Tauri. Yeah, strange. It's a strange, strange one. Strange. Considering now that Robbie Kubica is probably going to join the Alpha Tauri and Red Bull Junior Drive program. <laughs> you know. At the <laughs> that's age. a logical sense anyway, because that's what the deal was with Williams and with Alfa Romeo, really. Right. So, with, you know, with the I backing, assume... he gets some FP1 sessions, testing, markets, etc. Yeah, which is weird. Considering there is four million Red Bull Juniors in um, after there's only six, but yeah, you would think that they will be splitting that duty, or Lawson will be getting it, or whatever. But you know, it's um, no Robert, <laughs> nice young Robert. <laughs> so, what do you think then? Like, what do you think? Do you think this means much for obviously? Because obviously, Alfa Romeo is more so red and white, anyways. I think Orlen will run those; uh, th- those are their colours anyway. So, what do you think this means for the Alfa Tauri? Uh, livery, if, if if anything at all, I I think it'll just be white. Just a, yeah, I don't, I don't think it changes anything because I think their brand is sort of blue and white anyway. So mm. they might add like a red logo, but I, I I honestly doubt it. I think it'll just be white instead of red. Okay, so, uh, we'll see what yeah. happens to Kubica with that. But uh, yeah. Sauber also Alfa Romeo also have a new uh, title sponsor as well, uh, which is called Stake. An online it's casino and betting company, uh, which is heavy cryptocurrency integration. Now, there was some yes. co- controversy about this. I don't know if you heard about this on Twitch. Uh, over to marketing it, practices. It was banned from Twitch last year. There's quite a kerfuffle in the Twitch community about it. Yeah, I remember this. It's um, it's an interesting move to have a, a gambling uh, company. Yeah. There's a title sponsor. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, to say the least, but... Uh, Alfa Romeo stake. No, what is it? Alfa Romeo F1 team stake or something like that. It's, <laughs> it's really strangely done. Really strange. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it, it's a strange one. It's uh, Also, they've got some, uh, like, I know they've, they're affiliated with Everton, I believe, as well. The UFC, yeah. some boxing. I know Drake. I'm reading this from Will, uh, Will Wood and Raceland.net, by the way, so that's where I'm plucking this information I'm from. Say, well, you put bloody Drake. Yeah. So... I, but I don't know. I, again, I just I don't think this really changes look for Alfa Romeo much either. <laughs> Might next no. year for Sauber, but yeah, for Sauber it will change it, but for not for Alfa Romeo, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, yeah, are you moving on to what I think you're moving on to? Having a clue, but hit me. <laughs> Red Bull are now put a, a cryptic post on Instagram. Actually, this is what I was thought was hinting to you before the podcast started. Um, that they they put a picture up of a blank RB18. Yeah, an RB18 that looked very much like the skeleton of the Alpha Tauri one, by the way. Yes, yeah. And it, the, the caption was blank canvas. Mm. Now, are we finally going to get a Red Bull livery change? Probably not. Yeah. They're probably just trying to mess with us. But saying that, I it's sort of. I saw this on Twitter. The fact that the Red Bull car launch is in New York, mm-hmm. right? The fact that the Ford rumours have been circulating, the fact that they've tweeted this, I, I think we're getting some form of collaboration being announced at that at that event between Red Bull and Ford. 
Ooh. Red Bull, Ford, Honda. <laughs> Ford, Honda. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think some sort of brand deal will be done there and Ford will be on the car somewhere. Because I saw an article this morning, I believe it was. I think it was on racefans.net. Uh, Christian Horner was basically saying that he hopes to make Red Bull the first F1 team to be sustainable purely just on sponsorship money, mm. which is uh, insane if they're able to do it. Obviously, the cost cap helps with that, but it's uh, would be a very interesting deal because obviously they bought in some huge sponsors last year with Bybit and Oracle. Oracle, as the, yeah. yeah, as the title sponsor. So, yeah, it's an interesting one to keep an eye on for when the Red Bull actually do the launch event. Yeah, now obviously the, the canvas thing could be a few, like it could be just a launch canvas or like a livery. Yeah. It could be a test livery, which they've done plenty of in the past as well. Or they're just trying to piss you off like they do every year mm -hmm. by getting your hopes up and then it's exactly the same. Yeah, they've done test liveries in the past to help uh, in a way that helps hide some of the um, features of the car that aren't as easily uh, distinguishable to the naked eye. Uh, yes, and oh my god, some of them liveries are amazing. Very nice. Uh, red or blue in terms of one? I like both of them. I like both, both of them. Insane. Yeah, I think I like yeah. the red one a bit more, I think. but I, Yeah, I, I do think I like the red one, but yeah. The blue one definitely both. hides a bit better, I think. Camouflages yeah, some of it. Yeah, they are very nice. We'll see. Uh, if they actually did do a new, a new race livery, it would be the first time since 2016 where they went with this mash that we know now. Uh, yeah. I, if they if they end up doing a new uh, a brand new race livery, I would have done it last year and like have your Verstappen twenty one title as the last of your uh, of that era, so to speak, and you move on to a new one, defending champion, new regs, new livery. I would have done it then if if if, if they're going to do it. We'll see again. We'll see what they actually do. But yeah, Oracle, Red Bull Racing, Honda, Ford. <laughs> yeah, good one. That's going to be a mouthful. Well, RBGT. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we'll see. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna get my hopes up because yeah, they've done they're they're good at doing this. Oh, they changed the name back to Jaguar. <laughs> oh yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, not the, not what a what a full circle that would be. Yeah, uh, I do. It would be interesting if Orlan actually did change the AlphaTauri look entirely, and then Red Bull moved to an AlphaTauri like look. Oh God, how confusing oh, God. would that be? That would be, yeah, no, I can't see that. I mean, can't see that. I mean. That that would look awful. I would laugh. Uh, in other news this week, though, there's been uh, actually uh, Freddie Vasseur has been chatting away to the media this week. His uh, uh, first, his first Ferrari F1 press call. I'm reading from uh, motorsport.com from Jonathan Noble about the five things that we learned from uh, Vasseur's uh, first F1 press call. Now, some of these you've seen elsewhere, but. Uh, Obviously, he's talked about kind of he's not going to upheave the team, uh, and he says uh, it will be arrogant. Uh, it will be arrogant on my side to take action on technical organization after two weeks. We have discussions to try and understand how we can improve the system, what we could, uh, what could be the weakness of the system, and try to do a better job. But it's more of a continuous improvement than a big step or big changes that, from my point of view, wouldn't make sense. Uh, and explaining why he wouldn't wield the axe and the strategy team, he said, you have to avoid to be just focused on the top of the pyramid. Very often, when you are speaking about strategy, it's much more of an organization... It's much more of a... It's, mo yeah. it's much more a matter of organization than just a guy... Just a guy who's on the pit wall. Hmm. So, <laughs> thoughts as a Ferrari fan? Uh, just get, get some shit done, Fred, please. <laughs> <laughs> you know... I know he needs time to evaluate everything properly, I think. So I'm I'm glad he's not just gone in guns blazing right. This needs to change, that needs to change. He's actually doing stuff properly from what I've read. Uh he also talked about kind of his communication with the team. So he said uh, the first goal was to meet as uh, to meet as many people as possible to understand many aspects. I think there's a lot of potential, but I know that every team is mainly based on human relationships. I've already talked face to face with thirty or thirty five people. I want to get to know them. And this was the job that took me the most uh, in my first two weeks. I can say I can say that the feeling so far is great. The mood is positive. Good. Well, time. Well, time was some positivity in, in Maranello. Mm. Uh, he apparently also talks every day with uh, CEO uh, Benedetto Vigna. And they have mm -hmm. dinner two or three times a week. God. It's like having a, a second lover. <laughs> uh, he also talks he's also uh, he's, he apparently did speak to Mattia Bonotto 
uh, who helped. He said he helped him ensure a smooth handover. Uh, he, said he wants to have a. I also wants to have a sit down with uh, former Ferrari boss Sean Todd in the near in the near future. And he said we exchanged my WhatsApp a couple of weeks ago. And I'll meet him soon. All the advice is welcome for sure, but I think it's also quite diff- difficult today compared to the situation of ninety four, ninety five, and twenty twenty two. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's slightly different, you know, and it's slight. He's also said that the clerk won't be number one. Unless it needs it. So yeah. he said there will be number one and number two. Uh, he said, if at one stage we need to take action, I will take action. It doesn't matter if it's one or the other. If at one stage of the season I have to do something, I will do it. Yes. And I Good. believe him when he says that. Yes, so, so do I. So do I. He's firm enough. That's good. He's made that clear from the get-go. There isn't no sort of will they, won't they. He's like, yeah, if I have to, I will, type thing. And now they both know that. So it's up to them to perform, isn't it, at the end of the day now? Yeah. Put themselves in a position where that could that call could be made. Uh, the end of this article goes, like, he hasn't lost his humour, but he's not afraid to uh, rule with an iron fist if necessary. And he says, I trust the guys in place that I, and that I will try to do the best job for them also, to put them in the best condition to do the job. Then it'll be a matter of time after a couple of weeks or months to take action if it's not working. Uh, and he said, uh, during my experience at Sauber, I had some colleagues who came from Ferrari and they told me that nothing is impossible at Maranello. I said, after two weeks, I can confirm it that it's true. Nothing is impossible. There are the skills to move mountains and this will be important during the season. Hmm. So I'm liking everything I'm hearing. I still think he's, uh, he's I think he's been great in that job. I really do. Yeah. Yeah, so do I. Uh, last bit of F1 stuff, well, not necessarily involved in F1. How much did you hear about the esports controversy in the iRacing Daytona 24? Uh, you're on about Williams. Yes. Yes. yes the fact that they, if you don't know what Daytona is, please have a look at it's it. It's actually um, ongoing right now. Yeah, <laughs> the actual, on the <laughs> yeah, the actual real life race. They did the virtual race and then qualifying the Williams team sort of cheated a little bit um turned off his his actual stream <laughs> of the actual car so you could just see the side of it and put face cam on and decided yeah you know what well, i'm not just going to use the banking of daytona i'm just going to run around the inside of it yeah and run on the tra- the part of the track that isn't the track and take pole, pole position i believe he took yeah i didn't even need i don't think he even needed to he was on pole by like three like two or three tenths which yeah, at that split can't make that much of a difference but maybe i'm wrong it, apparently it does and yeah been a lot of controversy about it yeah then there's a great video on this ah oh, shoot who is it from uh oh let me uh, let me try and pull it up because it explains everything really well um better than we could but uh hold on let me uh yeah pablo gz i believe is his name uh is the chat is the video yeah that's who it is he's one of, he was one of the people taking part in this race actually he was one of the ones up for the win and then Controversy happened. So Williams basically they use one of their, I don't think knowingly, but uh, it's, it's all sort of separate, isn't it? Like it's, they have their name on it, but I don't know how much they're involved. Yeah, actually, it's not, in it. Yeah, it's not part of Williams as such. It's yeah, yeah, sort of do with the sponsors and stuff. It's, it's strange how it works. One of the cars basically uh, with multiple laps down uh, basically blocked other cars basically uh, that were fighting with the other car at the time in that split, and then I believe actually came together and it crashed with that. Uh, with one of the guys who's going to win the race, essentially. And then afterwards, uh, they trot out Jensen Button as well on Twitter to, like, you know, basically cover up for PR and that kind of thing. Uh, it was really messy. It was really messy, really sloppy. But they eventually did apologize uh, on uh, Saturday about it, uh, even though, of course, it does nothing to, because obviously it, it does nothing to uh, change the results or, you know, the prize money that should have gone somewhere else. Uh, nevertheless, they say they wholeheartedly apologize. Uh Little consolation, but a bit of a messy situation with involving Williams. It's not not the greatest look in the, look in the world. No, not great, not great at all. But what can they do? It doesn't wasn't really their fault, to be honest. But yeah, it's uh, like you say. Well, I mean, y- yes, it they- is. It, they're representing the Williams brand, but. They didn't have an influence on and tell the team to do it. That's sort of yeah, but they, my understanding. My is. my problem is also how they handled it afterwards. Like, yeah, this is not not done great PR wise. Uh, no, they should call up um, George Russell on that one. But mm. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, have you got any more F one news, so to speak? Because I have some formula to chat about. 
<sighs> Actually, two uh, things before I get into it. Um, there are two key, uh, and, and appointments to Formula E uh, teams this week. I think actually both of McLaren. Uh, one was actually uh, Mike Schumacher's former race engineer and Kimi Räikkönen's former race engineer Ferrari. Chris Dyer, uh, uh, actually, uh, actually, he's actually Dyer's actually appointed to McLaren to work on their electrical racing programs in Formula E and Extreme E. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Chris Dyer, I always liked the chap, and interesting to see him back in the fold uh, with a, with a, with a not an F, he has an F one team, but like not in F one capacity, but yeah, with a team. Mm. The one that really threw like like a massive alternate universe thing was uh, uh, McLaren Extreme uh, appoints uh, Gary Paffett as their sporting director. Now, Gary Paffett, no one really will know, but back in 2006, the end of 2006, he was actually he was actually basically I would say he was more sort of favourite of between him and Lewis Hamilton to take the 07 yeah. McLaren drive, and eventually he went to Hamilton. But what, oh, like, it's just... What ma- could have been? I know, it's ama- it's a- it is amazing to think about, it, isn't it? Like, ha- like, I don't say Hamilton wouldn't have got to F1 eventually or have no, success, but it's just fascinating. Like, in 2023, Gary Paffett's been appointed as a sporting director at the Extreme E team. Lewis Hamilton is a seven-time world champion with over 100 poles, 100 race wins, about to enter his 16th season in F1. Yeah, and nobody... You have asked the average person who the hell was Gary Paffer. Having a clue. But back in 2006, it was a, like it was very much him or Lewis Hamilton were talking about for that uh, for that seat. And Paffer was already into like he was already involved with McLaren at the, at the time. Uh, so, but just yeah, I I, I saw that during the week. Like wow, that's incredible. Like we'll talk about like an alternate reality kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm going to talk to Formula E uh, now. You didn't like it. Uh, I can I ask why? Just it's not that I didn't like it. I just wasn't interested. Right. It. I was watching both races on mute, so obviously, I I didn't get the full gist of what was being said. But the commentary isn't great. Just not. Yeah, it's mm, yeah, it's not great. It's, it doesn't doesn't pull me in. But um, the actual rate, it looked okay. To be fair, yeah, it, I just didn't get pulled in because obviously I was watching it on mute. No, that was my main qualm of it. And, yeah. Yeah, straight away with the commentary, uh, not having uh, Dario Franchitti there was... Uh, Franchitti? Franchitti? Uh, and Kitty. Yeah. Name, uh, sucks, because they've all ever asked you instead in from... He was a, one of the racers there last year, and, yeah. It doesn't do anything for me, unfortunately. And, and I think it's, it's a Jack Nichols has uh, ups, ups and downs at times as well. I don't, I don't mind Nichols, but, yeah. It's, it's, it's not who I'd personally have in... But to be honest, but uh, to be fair, like I, I'm actually really enjoying this uh, this dual system here they have going on here in Formula E for qualifying. I... Oh yeah, I, I I like that. I haven't watched the qualifying this year, but uh, uh, this weekend, sorry, but mm. it was uh, it was good. Some of them have been really really close, which has been really fun to see. Uh, Dan Tictum should have had pole position round for round two. They had they had a, a, double, a double header in Saudi. It was at Diria, uh, yeah. so same track. Uh, Dan Tictum should have had pole position in, in the first one. He blew that. He definitely would. I think he definitely would have had it uh, if he had got through his his duel, but he didn't. And I like that dynamic, man. It's it's one like, like we talked about formats for qualifying for sprint weekends that we'd like to see. I, one lap you, when it comes down to it, you got one lap, one chance, one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted. You know, wanted. Uh, I like that. It. You know, you have your group qualifying to get through to the duels, and you know you have a one, two lap, whatever to get that done. And when it, but when it comes down to it, you got it's a one on one, one chance. Do you have it in you, or are you going to bottle it? And I really, yeah. I really, I still, I really like that for for yeah. for, for, for Formula E at least. Again, I like, I wouldn't mind seeing an F one for Sprint Weekend. If you're going to mess up the system, like do it on a do it on a weekend like that, just you know, do all the experimental shit on that weekend, you know. Yeah, that's why I said try things. It's not going mm. to do much, is it? <laughs> oh wow. We've we've changed the qualifying once. We've yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, now round two I think was better than round three for Formula E. But to be like, we've got we have this fascinating situation early on where you've cars that can qualify really well, better than the the best by the way the best the best two teams slash powertrains. It's the Porsche powertrain, and so so that's why like the Andretti of Jake Dennis and the Porsche of Pascal Verlaine have been the two standout drivers because they have that powertrain. The Jaguar, I think, is next on the list. 
uh, with the Jaguar works team, then followed by the Envision team. So like you've got Sam Bird and Mitch Evans, and then on the Envision, which is the green one, that's Buemi who took pole position. His first, I think, is no, no, sorry, he, I think he tied the most formerly pole positions in uh, in Formula E. But so you have that, and then but you've, you've got other cars like the like the Neos and like that Dan Tictum is in, and other cars that qualify well but fall back in the race. And because of this, you get this really interesting dynamic where like the quickest guys have to come through the field. And we saw that with Verline who qualified like eleventh, and like Jake Dennis who qualified or sorry, Dennis was eleventh, Verline was ninth, and both ended up finishing first and second. So round two is actually really fun because you got to, you get to see those guys kind of come through. McLaren's are just all around solid. They're solid in qualifying, actually very good in qualifying. And but not they're not quite as quick as the Porsche powertrains. Um, but they can really do with the Jaguars, so they've done quite well. Actually, Rene Rass was actually quite impressive. I didn't think much of Rask against Hughes. Hughes has been actually quite good in Formula E so far. Uh, yeah, he's been better. He's one of the standout performers, to be fair. He has been. Uh, and look, we we like we we liked him in Formula Two last year as well when he was there. Obviously, our main issue was what's his trajectory because like he's twenty seven or twenty eight years old. You know, he's mm. he's one of the younger, uh, or sorry, one of the older drivers there. Uh, not such a problem for me, of course, when you've got like, the likes of Luca Degrassi knocking around still in Buemi and etc. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that was really fun. I really enjoyed that. By the way, uh, yeah, so it's fun to watch Dennis and Verline go against it. Like They had a good tussle in in round two. Round three was really fun as well. They didn't get to go quite head-to-head there. Verline was better that day. But I think Dennis had to pace in round two. So they finished first and second out of all three races so far. So they lead the championship. Uh, Verline 68, Dennis 62. And then Buemi's third on 31. So, but we're getting these really fascinating race dynamics where the quicker race guys are qualifying further back and they have to cut the way through. And there's a really fascinating energy dynamic with like how you manage your energy and when you take attack mode. And I think there's enough now in Formula E with the, you know, the lap count now and the added laps for safety cars and that kind of thing. Uh, and, you know, I think there's no fan boost thing like that gimmick is gone. The cars, I think, actually look well now. I think where they Apple Formula they do like much better. They don't have the fairings in the front like F one cars do these days. Uh, they're quite streamlined. They, they had some cool lighting on their halos and the such in in Diria as well. I think we're at a point where those Formula E cars look good and they're difficult mm-hmm. to drive these these cars because like their the rear braking isn't as high on these because they have to save energy of course and uh, it's all kinetic of course with the the recovery and all that. So they're actually quite a handful to drive, which gives you know. It's a challenge looking at them drive. I, again, I, I'm I'm with you. I don't enjoy the sounds. I don't like hearing the tire squeal and no engine sound. That takes me out of the immersion a bit. But I think as a category now, I I genuinely think and I'm fully invested in this season now. I genuinely think it's worth watching. It probably is, but I'm I'm still on the fence. It's moved forward definitely with this gen, hundred percent. Yeah, I just, yeah. I just need to see a bit more of it before I like say yeah. It, it's not hooked me like IndyCar did. Yeah, Whereas that's I, fair. Whereas I, I watched the first, the third race last year of IndyCar. It was a long was beach. Like, yeah. yeah, a long beach. I was like, yeah, I'm in. I'm mm. going to watch every race now. I'm interested. And now I'm fully hooked on it. Whereas formerly sort of... I mean, it's piqued my interest. It's I, don't, I probably need to watch the full season to sort of get there if you know what i mean do you think the driver pool is probably something that deter like uh deters yeah, you I'm just, I'm just like because eh. i'm not massive like i'm not like i there's a not lot of massive on, drivers on the, like here's the thing the formula e is actually for the last five six years of formula two it's more so a formula e feeder than formula one yeah. and like so i'm going to throw some throwback names here for formula two and you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna know a lot of them sergio say camera by the way we thought latifi was bad for blocking people holy shit uh bad oliver roland runner up to uh or i think he was runner up if not third to look charlie leclerc in 2017 Mm -hmm. norman natto maximilian gunther dan tictum van dorn uh uh, was formula one that's fine uh, I know Alex Lynn used to be a part of this. Actually, I think Alex Lynn actually might be leading the uh, Daytona at the moment, actually. Uh, JQ, Sam Bird, I believe, was there as well. Uh, yeah. You know, just that's a. It's probably a bunch like that maybe come back even to the GP2 era that I'm not sure on. I think Frines, I know, maybe Frines might have been one of those Robert as well. Fives, yeah, I want to say Mitch Evans was uh, in the GP2. Antonio Felix Acosta? Yeah. Uh, I don't know about Evans or Cassidy. Lotter, I'm not sure either. But. You get there's a lot of former former Formula Two drivers here. 
So I, I, it's not like not. Yeah, I get you. Like I'm not, I'm not massive on the likes of Sandbird or uh, Degrassi or you know, like it's. I find it tough to get. By. So I it is. I get you. Like that. Think the driver pool does kind of deter you a little bit. Uh, to be fair, but mid. <laughs> I also like the ends of Formula E races where like some people, some might have extra one or two percent more battery or more energy, and you get some absolutely chaotic. Uh, last laps as drivers either yeah. run out of energy or have to really manage it. You can see all sorts of position changes. It does be wild sometimes. So I'm actually really enjoying it so far. I will say already I have a very firm vested interest in uh, in one particular driver that I want to mention in a sec. But by the way, just to, uh, we talked about Stoffel Van Dorn. Uh, this is not going to be a title defense for Stoffel Van Dorn. It's bad. It's done. It's I think yeah. it's done. It's too late now. Uh, DS Penske have absolutely shit the bed. Uh, Van Dorn is one point from the first three races. Uh, Jean-Luc Verno is only six points uh, from the first three races. Uh, they've shit the bed. Like a lot of teams have, to be fair. But uh, Maserati. Maserati had a much better uh, a much better uh, round three at Deria than first two races, but they've not been good. Mortara is one of the better drivers, I thought, last season at the end of it. Uh, he's only had two points, uh, to be fair. So... Yeah, they've they've really shit the bed. Uh, this will not be a title offense for Van Dorn. Tictum has been quite good in qualifying, but the Neo isn't quite there in the race. And um, yep. he should have had Poe in the round two. Uh, his like hilariously, he could he didn't make it through to the duels because a cash came onto the track. Uh, <laughs> nowhere, Durkater came onto the track. Nowhere, he said that in the interview afterwards. Like I was thinking, Dan, stop that. Like you're you're, you're lying. And then the replay came over of a cash coming across the track and scurrying through a little hole in the uh, in the barrier on the side. And it was like he's like you can't make it up. I was like, well, like I guess not. Like you re- you really can't. Uh, <laughs> so I thought, but yeah, he's been he's been better. I thought this season as well so far. He's, again, the, very much the cars you want to really be in are any of the Porsche powered ones, like the Andretti or the Porsche. A Jaguar is good after that, and then a McLaren is good after that. So both McLarens have been very very strong with Hughes and Rast. Uh, Jaguars have been good as well. And yeah, the, but the por- Porsche powertrains and more so Verlain and Dennis because uh, l- the other teammates to them are, well, it's Andre Lotterer for the other Avalanche Andretti and the other Porsche is Antonio Felix da Costa, which, yeah. So, you know, uh, he's on six points to Verlain 68. Now, Already, I have a v- massive vested interest in Pascal Verlein. He's a driver I really liked before. We've talked about before on this podcast. And I came to a realization during the week that I think you're not going to like, but I think it's actually correct uh, when, you, when it comes down to it. So, Verlein obviously is a German F1 driver, obviously, two years in F1 with Manor and then Saber in 2017. I thought it was unceremoniously uh, left without a drive in 2018. Mm. And. So we've got to do two years in F1. We've just seen another German driver do two years in F1. Here's a, here's my hot take. Pascal Wehrlein was more deserving of an F1 seat than Mick Schumacher. I was a better F1 driver than Mick Schumacher you've was. Watched, you've watched three Formula E races and you've changed your view on that. Okay. Cool. No, no like, <laughs> I'm high on Wehrlein. I, I, I like Wehrlein. Always did. But yeah, he did deserve a chance, but... I think they were probably. I'd, I'd say they were both deserving of the opportunity. So, yes, so, sorry. Should, yeah, should have. Yeah, they both should have got more time. Yeah, I think. that's yeah. Sorry, it's, that's that's fine. Than, that, yeah, I accept if, that. If Verlang goes on to win this season, fair enough. I'll agree with you. Let me let me amend that slightly. I think Verlang was better in his two years at F one than Mick Schumacher was. Yes, I agree with that. Yes, completely agree. Verlang. That's that's why I meant more so. Yeah, apart um, from him, sort of. Not wanting to drive for Sauber in the first few races of whatever season it was. Well, he, he was he was in. injured. To be fair. Yeah, but yeah, he got slandered for that. Absolutely slandered by uh, some of the pundits. But his re- his fucking replacement got three seasons as a result, almost. Yeah, in Giovinazzi. As a result, even though he'd been the car, what an absolute travesty that twice. was. Um, but yeah, I think Pascal Verlaine is better in his two season F one than Mick Schumacher, uh, and I don't think that's a hot take. Yeah, and I hope that if Fairline smashes it and he's got every chance to, we'll see how people catch up with the powertrain efficiency and the such. Uh, I hope he gets a chance to win this title and put himself back on the map. Especially mm-hmm. with chatter about Porsche being back in F one, maybe you know part of the same entity. Maybe Audi might want to have a look. Yeah, but you know, being part of the same entity as Porsche as well. I hope so because I, 
talked about it before. He deserves it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. German driver as well. Yeah. You got plenty, plenty of scope for the future in Formula One, I guess. So uh, I hope I hope he gets another, sh- another shot. Like, look, and that's not just, not just because I saw him take two race victories over the weekend. By the way, he's he's tripled his race win count in this this yeah. weekend. He had one win in Formula E before this weekend. He now has he now he has three. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird, isn't it? So yeah, it's really funny how this works. But yeah, I I think he's very deserving, and I thought he was better. And that, that was the realization that came afterwards. It's like now that I think about it, he was better in his because he actually got Manor's only point in 2016 somehow. Which a car that was much worse. Sorry, I think that car is probably slightly better than Schumacher's twenty twenty Haas. Yeah, no, for 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 like I guess maybe sixty percent of the season. At the end of it, I thought maybe the Haas was a bit closer than um, maybe what the Manor was at the end of the season because the Haas got better in the end of twenty twenty one. But the Cyber was much worse than the Haas of twenty twenty two that year. Verlaine got himself five points somehow in 2017 in that Sauber. He was unfortunately caught. He was at Sauber, the, like, arguably their worst, if not close to it. Uh, whereas Schumacher got Haas on a somewhat recovery year. Pretty good recovery year, actually, in the hands of Magnussen. Yeah. So, yeah, I just think you know, when it comes down, I thought Verlaine, that was a realization that came to it. It's like Verlaine was actually better in that one than Mick Schumacher was. Mm. And uh, I will fight anyone for that. Because it's true. <laughs> anyway, yeah. uh, moving on from that, then I don't, think, I don't know whether for me talk on that. Uh, right, this week, busy week. Finally, we've got some F one related content coming. Uh, starting on Tuesday, it's launch. It is launch season. Launch season is a go. Uh, we got our last announcement during the week. It's going to be our first uh, first contenders on the old bucket, and that is Haas F one team. We're actually launching January thirty first, so that is Tuesday. It is just a livery launch, though. It is it's just a livery launch. That's fine. We are expecting a different, a somewhat different livery. I don't think it'd be too different because MoneyGram has his new title sponsor run roughly the same color scheme as Haas anyway. Yeah, but saying that, that livery, the white livery was because of Dimitri. And yeah, well, yeah, them well, colors. Kind you know of. I mean, I, mean I, I think I'm expecting a big livery change. I mean, you say that, but like they've always run a, a, some combination of white, red, yeah, grey slash black, depending on the year. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm fully expecting a switch back to that type chip, but more red, a lot more red. In fact, just to suit MoneyGram, but yeah, yeah, I agree. I think there will be more red on this car. Yeah, there has to be just. Yeah, it will be. I think it will be primarily white, but it will yeah be a lot more red. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it won't surprise me if there's a lot of carbon fiber. To be honest, mm-hmm. just for weight saving. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the, yeah. I think you're right. I think there will be some carbon fiber on that for sure. Uh, on that, and then so there's. I'm looking forward to that. Then, as you mentioned earlier, the uh, the big New York launch for Red Bull Racing. Uh, Oh, it's actually oh, it's actually the following week. Oh, that's a shame. The third, yeah, the third, it's only the one. The third is longer than I thought it was away. Um, mm-hmm. That's a shame. Um, no, sorry. What am I saying? It's on the Friday. Excuse me. I'm looking. I'm sorry. I was looking at the beginning. Oh, the, the, I'm, I'm just looking at the calendar on my computer. And I'm like, it's yeah, same. <laughs> yeah, but um, if it's on my January calendar here, look, it has the back end of uh, December, which is what I was looking at. Yeah, third of January, third of February is actually this Friday, so we will see. Uh, two launches this week so yeah 31st an actual launch an actual launch maybe the livery as well we we'll see we think we hope, we hope. it'll probably um, be a dud car but yeah it'll be I'm expecting a, a dud car for this early for Red Bull with Mercedes yeah. to launch on the 15th Ferrari on the 14th yeah. I'm ex- fully no, expecting a dud car uh, but more so like you mentioned maybe a new livery maybe a special lens because obviously they announced the Oracle uh, thing during their launch last year Mm-hmm. That was a launch announcement. So maybe we might see that again, but in New York. So two launches. Then Williams is the next one, on the sixth, which is obviously the following following week. But that that week will that week will be busy. But two two to get our, uh, to wear appetite. Uh, I, I I hope it's a real launch for Red Bull, just because we can maybe talk about something technical aspect of it. But I'm yeah, not. I doubt. I, I think the will. The actual first actual car launches we'll get, um, I actually think it'll be Aston Martin on the 13th and then McLaren on the 13th. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, 
Maybe Avatar. Williams. I, I honestly think Williams will just come straight out of the park. I mean, they normally do their filming day straight away. Their car, normally, their launch normally is just a filming day. And then you get the pictures of it. Yeah, to be, to be fair, cars with immediate filming days generally use their real one. Yeah. Just because obviously obviously they're for shakedown so like it might be like a you know wet tires on a on a dry track kind of thing because obviously you can't get any performance related uh thing from it but obviously everyone will f- report feedback from what they feel from the car anyway yeah uh so and there'll be things they'll be looking at even though they, they're obviously very limited to what they could do on a shakedown because it's not a test it is just a shakedown or a filming or whatever mm. but yeah generally speaking car that do that generally try to use their real one obviously for some representative <laughs> running so you know, you might, you might, you might be right in that regard. Yeah. So, so what are we expecting there? So, we're expecting one at least, one at least new livery. Mm-hmm. I hope two, but we think one. We'll see lots. How how flashy do you think this red bull one is going to be? It's going to be pretty uh, over the top. You have to imagine, right? Yeah, I think so. Gold. Gold. <laughs> you know. Hey man, fun. they are constructors champions for the first time in eight years. Yes. So who knows? Anything else happening this week? Do you reckon? Uh, to do no, uh, might be quite. No, not really. Maybe it might actually. It might be quite enough. Actually, who knows? For just two launches. Yeah, we'll still have something to talk about. I guess. Ah, we'll figure something out. But uh, yeah, excited for those though. I'm very excited for those two car launches. It's gonna be gonna be fun. Uh, and we hit it here. Maybe Gunter, you know, Gunter Steiner talking a little bit about stuff. Uh, always good to hear Christian Horner BMG will have something to say I'm sure uh, maybe they'll be asked about 11's team maybe they might be asked about who knows like again this is the first time they've you know uh, I know some people some teams have some media availability stuff I know Mercedes have had a little, uh, one or two uh, with the Toto and obviously Vissor just had one and as such and but we you know we get to actually hear, get to hear some questions from the media and maybe a bit more about what's going on with an 11th team or this or that so I'm I've, I'm hoping we'll have some uh some maybe a bit more lively uh, comments maybe during the week. Yes. Speaking of car launches, have you seen car number 77 by any chance that got launched yesterday at 2pm? Car number... Oh, I did. I, yeah, you're talking about the Race of Champions. No. Yes, you I'm are. I'm talking about Junkus Hollinger racing. <laughs> no, I have not. Uh, there were some other car launch IndyCar stuff that I uh, saw during the week and was confused by. <laughs> Which was? Uh, oh, the blooming number scandal! Thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that that was bizarre. They what? So yeah. to catch up very quickly, um, I can't remember what team it was. Uh, but basically, they had numbers fourteen for one car, and car eighty-eight was the other car, which I had no idea this meant. With stuff like this, I always wonder if you actually end up raising awareness—not awareness, but a ra- like. I no, I I don't know. I did you have any idea what those two numbers together meant? No, for like fourteen and eighty-eight. Not a clue. Haven't I had the clue? It, apparently, it's a Nazi thing. Is it? Appa- oh, yeah. Is that why, that's why they've changed it to fourteen and fifty-five. Then. Yeah, that's that's why. That's why. Yeah, that's exactly why. I had no idea. So, I don't know. Uh, like, how many people know? Uh, did many people know that? Uh, well, yeah, clearly, clearly some people did, but yeah, that, that wondered. I, I didn't really read too much into it, but I was like, yeah. Oh, if anything, that whole thing made me aware. Like, actually, would make. I would never have thought that the like there's just two numbers to me at this stage. Like, I have no clue. But anyways, they change it anyway. Like, I yeah, whatever. Um, it's not that big of a deal, I guess. Uh, although I do wonder how F1 would handle it if it was a situation where Alonso was with Robert Kubica, for example. Yeah. In a team. No, it definitely wouldn't be Alonso changing. Put it that way. No. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, anyway, yeah. So no, I haven't seen the the, the Junkos seventy seven of Kalamai last week. Just sent it to you. Uh, let me have a gawk. Uh, Race of Champions is going on this weekend. There is some uh, Vettel Schumacher content knocking around. Uh, Bottas has got some nice, uh, nice helmet stuff as well. Uh, ooh, that, I like that, that looks sick in a garage. I wonder how well it looks sick at night. Yes, I, unfortunately, there is no night races in IndyCar, but. Oh no, there is. There, there is. I tell a lie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, some of the ovals are nice. Yes. They are nice. Some of the ovals. Uh, I don't know how that. I wonder how that's going to look in the daytime. Is my concern. Yeah, but the fact that there is two Jungos cars this year with um, Agustino, I want to say his name is, who's Argentinian driver, Argentinian mm. touring car driver, who's um, 
joining them. So interesting. Yeah, I think a big August improvement. Camp- Canapino, is his name? Big improvement, I thought, on their livery from last year, I think. Yeah. Although he did, always had some nice ones. Indycar livery's changed so much during the season at times, though, to be fair. Like, how many yeah. did Grosjean run last year? Grosjean had a different livery every bloody race. Pelo had quite a few as well. Yeah, Newgarden did. Um, so did McLaughlin. The only car that really stayed the same was the blooming. Um, the Ganassis? Yeah. Dixon changed power. a couple of times. Uh, powers was majority of the same to Yeah, me. that's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah, unless you were, like, part of the, like, what, the actual broadcast. There was a, a certain sponsor for the broadcast, and it was always the same car. It was the English guy, I can't remember his name. It was always at the back. <laughs> Did a, I think Colton Herger ran his mostly the same last year as well. Yeah, Colton's was exactly the same the entire, se- entire season. I'm pretty positive. Anyway. Gamebridge is a huge sponsor. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it was a nice, I like that card. Even though I've never fucking heard of him. <laughs> hey, man. This is what happens when you're dealing with American sponsors. So you, there's going to be a few that you haven't heard of. Yeah. <coughs> nice hey, one, Spring. Yeah. A perfect way to end, I think. So uh, that's going to be it for this week's edition of the Switchback Formula 1 podcast. My, I've been Graham. I've been. I haven't got a voice anymore. Yeah. And we shall see you uh, next week. <laughs>